Welcome to Pivotal Decisions Podcast. I'm your host, Stan Paris. Thank you for joining in today. I hope you are having an amazing day. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure that you share it with your friends and let them know about Pivotal Decisions. And thank you for being a part of this very special episode today. This past week, I had a great privilege of visiting the International Mission Board in Richmond, Virginia. And when you visit the International Mission Board in Richmond, it is divided into two parts. Uh, One part houses the staff, an amazing staff at the International Mission Board that do an incredible job of sending people out all around the world to share the gospel and also connecting with the local church all over the place, letting them know what is happening and the prayer needs and how they can support this mission effort. The second part of the International Mission Board is the training center that trains the missionaries, prepares them to be sent out all over the world. On my visit this past week, one of the the more sobering moments of my visit to the International Mission Board was seeing the Wall of Remembrance. The Wall of Remembrance records all the missionaries that have given their life in service through the mission board, sharing the gospel around the world. They have died on the mission field sharing the gospel. The Wall of Remembrance includes names like Lottie Moon, who gave her life sharing the gospel. You see all those names, it's a reminder of the great sacrifice that many have given to share the gospel around the world. And it begs the question of why would they give their lives for the gospel? Well, one answer is because of what's at stake. People, real people, their eternal destiny is at stake. And so people go, risk their lives, lose their lives to share the gospel. On the last episode of Pivotal Decisions, I encourage you to take a listen. I gave you five statements about heaven, and I told you in that episode that I would also, in the next episode, give you five statements about hell. As a believer in the gospel, a believer in the scripture, a believer in the teachings of Jesus and the New Testament, I am obligated to talk about the topic of hell. I don't want to talk about hell. I don't enjoy it. I don't find any particular fulfillment in it. But I also know that as a believer, I am obligated to talk about the topic of hell. You see, heaven is not heaven if hell is not hell. This is not something I enjoy. In fact, I I think of the words of the great preacher Charles Spurgeon, who said, these are such weighty things such that when I dwell upon them, I feel far more inclined to sit down and weep than to stand and speak to you. I don't find any fulfillment in this topic. I don't enjoy it. I don't want to talk about it. But I'm obligated to speak the truth about hell. Now, we live in a world where the very concept of truth is up for grabs, 
And so the notion of an eternal hell seems outdated. When you talk about hell, it is awkward. It's, it's a big negative. Nobody wants to talk about hell. Nobody even wants to think about hell. And certainly no one wants to believe that anybody is in hell. It's politically incorrect. I mean, if you bring up the topic of hell, you're not going to win friends and influence people. It's old-fashioned. It's, it's weird. It seems like it's for the uneducated, the backward, those that don't know any better, those that are deceived or in some kind of cult. But Jesus raises the topic of hell, and he does it freely, so that means we should raise it as well. So let me give you five statements about hell today. Statement number one, hell is a real place. Hell is a real place. The religious philosopher John Hick referred to hell as a grim fantasy that is not only morally revolting, but also a serious perversion of the Christian gospel. Well, is that true? Is hell a grim fantasy? Is it a serious perversion of the Christian gospel? That's the question. When you read the Gospels, you find that Jesus speaks about hell more than anyone else. In fact, if you count up the verses, Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. And in fact, he spoke more about hell than everybody else in the Bible combined. Is hell real? Well, if you believe Jesus, then there's no other answer but yes. Hell is a real place. Now, a great question is, why would God create such a place? If hell is a real place, and it is, why would God create such a place? Well, the Bible actually gives us the answer to this question. In Matthew 25, 41, Jesus is speaking, and he says to those on the left, those that are unsaved, at the judgment, he says, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal light fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Here, Jesus says the eternal fire, what we would think of as hell, it was prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell is a place that God created for the devil and his angels. It was, hell was made for the devil. God didn't create hell for human beings. He didn't create hell for humans. He created heaven for human beings. But because of the rebellion of the human race, and we have all participated in that rebellion, we are now destined for hell. That is our default destination. For every human being, every human being that exists, our default destination when we die is not heaven, it is hell. That's why we need Jesus to save us. Most people assume because they're a good person, they will go to heaven but they're wrong. The sincere truth is that those who know Christ, who are forgiven, they go to heaven. But here, we're reminded that hell was not created for human beings. But it's our default destination because of our rebellion against God. That's why we need Jesus. Hell, you see, was created for the devil and his angels. So hell is a real place. Statement number two. Hell is eternal. Hell is an eternal place. Now, people question this, and they question whether hell is for all eternity. 
and there are some differing opinions. For example, there are those who believe in universalism. Universalism believes that in the end, all will be saved. Everybody's going to be saved, so it's going to be okay. There's also another view, an opinion known as annihilationism. Those who do not trust Christ as their Savior, this view says, will just be annihilated in the end. That will be the end of them. When they die, that's it. They just cease to exist. When you study the Bible, Jesus tells a story in the Gospel of Luke chapter 16 about two men who had died. One was named Lazarus. He was a believer. The other was a rich man who was not a believer. And in this story, you see something really important about hell, and it teaches us that hell is eternal. When you read the story in Luke chapter 16, even after the men have died, they are still alive. Both Lazarus and the rich man lived on after they died. Their souls still existed after they died. This reminds us that, or proves to us, that annihilationism is not true. Both of the men were still alive after they died. One was in heaven, one was in hell. It also disproves universalism because both of the men didn't go to heaven. One went to heaven, one went to hell. In fact, in the story, we see that even after they died, they retained their personalities and their character. Lazarus is still Lazarus, and the rich man is still the rich man. Hell is eternal. Hell is a real place. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is speaking in verse 46, and he says, and these, talking about the unsaved, will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous, those who are saved, into eternal life. Notice here that Jesus uses the same word eternal for both categories of people. Those who are lost go to eternal punishment. Those who are saved into eternal life. If you get rid of hell, you have to get rid of heaven as being forever, as being eternal. Hell is a real place. Hell is also eternal. Statement number three, hell is fair. Hell is fair. I bring this up because people will often say, this seems so unfair. An eternity in hell for some sins I committed on this earth of 75, 80 years of living? I mean, isn't God overreacting just a bit? I read a statement once some years ago that really helps understand hell as being fair. The statement said this, sin gains its wickedness by the one it's committed against. What do I mean by that? What does that statement mean? If I go over to the wall and I punch the wall, the consequences of punching a wall could be that I hurt my hand or I damage the wall. But if I walk up to the president of the United States and punch him in the face, probably something worse than jail is going to happen. You see, it's reminding us that sin gains its wickedness by the one it's committed against. My sins in my life that I commit, my sins are not against another person. Now, they might be impacted by my sin, but my sin is not against another person. My sins ultimately are against the infinitely holy, perfect, righteous God. 
Sin against an eternal God, you see, warrants eternal punishment. So why doesn't God just let it all go? Why can't God just say, okay, it's all right, I'll overlook this, I'll move on, we'll move on and look forward to what's coming next in life or eternity? Why, did, why can't God just say, okay, I'm God, you're not, let it, just let it go? God can't let it go because God is a God of love. The Bible says that God is love. And the only way that God can be truly loving is if he is just. To be truly loving means you can't just overlook an injustice. There has to be restitution. Now think about that for a moment. There is no one that God the Father loves more than his own son. And yet, as Jesus Christ hung on the cross, carrying the sins of the world, God had to turn away from him in disgust. You see, God's holiness caused him to not only turn away from Jesus, but also to condemn him. The cross reminds us that God can't just let sin go. So hell is real, hell is eternal, hell is fair. Statement number four, hell is a place of darkness and loneliness. The Bible describes hell as a place of darkness in Matthew chapter 8. This is important because maybe you've heard someone say something like this. Oh, I know I'm going to hell, but all my friends are going to be with me, and we're going to have one big party. It's going to be great. Here are some of the biblical words and phrases associated with hell. Fire, burning, torment, bottomless pit, wrath, weeping, wailing, gnashing teeth, eternal fire. That doesn't sound like a party. That doesn't sound fun. Hell is a place of darkness and loneliness. There will be no socializing in hell, none. Because no one will be able to see anything. It is utter darkness. It is utter loneliness. Hell is a place of darkness and loneliness. Statement number five. Hell is a reminder of the awesome grace of God. Hell is a reminder of the awesome grace of God. Hell reminds all believers, all of us that know Christ. It reminds us of the grace that we found in Jesus. It reminds us that there was a point in our life we were all headed for this hell that is real, eternal, fair, darkness, loneliness. It reminds us that we were all headed there had it not been for the marvelous grace of God. It reminds us that God is good and faithful, a God of love, a God of grace that has rescued us, redeemed us, and set us free. This awesome reality should motivate all of us to share with our friends and our loved ones about the grace of God. Maybe we should move away from some of these theological thoughts and just be real personal on this podcast. Have you accepted Christ? That's the question. And if you can say yes to that, that you've accepted Christ, then you know when you leave this world, you have an eternal home in heaven. Five statements about hell. Hell is a real place. Hell is eternal. Hell is fair. Hell is a place of darkness and loneliness. And hell is a reminder of the awesome grace of God. Well, thank you for listening today to the Pivotal Decisions podcast. If you enjoyed the, this episode or the other episodes, 
Be sure you share it with your friends and let them know about the podcast. And remember, the decisions you make today will determine your tomorrow.